Today we are back in the book of James. I've chosen to stay in our series um, today in the book of James. Um, and if you have your journals, grab your journals right now, uh, get your notes ready. And, uh, and we're going to be in, in the book of James. We're going to be finishing out chapter two uh, this morning. And I'm looking forward uh, to this sermon. I have to be very honest with you. Um, I made the decision to stay in my series uh, several weeks ago throughout Mother's Day. Sometimes I'll preach a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, today I did not. And then I did not think about uh, specifically where we were going to be this morning. Um, and this has nothing to do with Mother's Day at all. However, I'm the horrible planner here. The title of today's message is The Patriarch and the prostitute. And so uh, my home pastor back in, um, in, in Maryland did this one year and we used to pick on him about it. Um, he preached not from this passage, but he preached from another similar passage on Mother's Day. And we used to always make fun of him. And I believe this is God's way of doing that to me. And so bear with me this morning. We're going to be in our evidence series in the book of James. Next verse next chapter, next line, we're going to be in James chapter 20 and we're going to be beginning in verse, I'm sorry, James chapter two, we're going to be beginning in verse 20 this morning. Look there in your Bibles, uh, James chapter two and verse 20. Do you want to be shown you foolish person that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father justified by works when he offered up his son, Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and that faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God verse 24 you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way for as the body apart from the spirit is dead so also faith apart from works is dead uh, james is not done talking about this topic you remember last sunday if you were uh if you were here last sunday and you were you watched last sunday sermon or maybe you listened to it on the podcast uh, last week we spoke about an activated faith an active Faith, a faith that brought with it works. We took a, a deep dive into that topic last Sunday and, and that, that genuine faith, that, that true faith, that, that authentic faith, as opposed to that dead faith, that fake faith. In today's text, you will see that James doubles down on the justification point in verse 24. In fact, last Sunday, we referenced this verse in last Sunday's sermon. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And we must admit, as we did last week, and I'm not gonna re-preach last Sunday's sermon, we must admit though that this is a difficult text. Well, you must also compare scripture with scripture. We must, all, we must also view this within context. We must also view it within the context of the chapter, of the book, of the, the genre of the New Testament versus Old Testament and of the whole redemptive story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Romans chapter 3 and verse 28, Paul says, For we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. James says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. 
Paul says we conclude that man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. It's like the key verse from James is in a theological standoff with the key verse from the book of Romans. It's like the life's verse of James is, is, is standing off against the life's verse of Paul. But as we mentioned last week, I want us to see these two seemingly contradictory verses. Um, as Paul and James, instead of fighting face to face against one another, I want us to view them as James and, and Paul back to back fighting two different false teachings. I want us to understand that instead of, instead of uh, James and Paul fighting this way one another and throwing hooks, no, they were standing back to back and they were fighting against this theological uh, falsehood and then they were fighting against this false teaching and, and, and this heresy. And so they were two different men fighting two different battles. Paul was fighting against those Judaizers who wanted to add works to salvation. And Paul says, no, no, no. No, man is justified by faith apart from his works. And then James was fighting those Messianic Jews who thought it was enough to just merely know Jesus in an academic, intellectual way and not having a true heart transformation. Maybe today like an easy believism, just pray this prayer with me. One, two, three, pray with me. Everything's good. And he says, no, 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 no. A true, genuine faith, a person must be justified by his works. He must display that faith. Warren Wiersbe said it this way, and I believe this will help us this morning. The whole person plays a part in saving faith. The entire person. The mind understands the truth. The heart, as it is drawn by the Holy Spirit, desires the truth. And the will acts upon the truth. You see, that is salvation. That is salvation. And when in context we understand the audience to whom James and Paul were writing, we can appreciate their teachings and we can recognize that James and Paul actually complement each other instead of contradict one another. That they actually complement one another instead of contradict one another. Today's text highlights two Old Testament people, uh, completely different people. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum, you may say, humanly speaking. Abraham, the patriarch, and Rahab, the prostitute. This text will give us a glimpse into the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The glorious gospel that is not cheap. The glorious gospel that cost Jesus everything. The glorious gospel this morning that can save anyone. This text that we cover this morning is a beautiful picture of the gospel. It brings forth the reality that this gospel is not a cheap gospel. This gospel is not just an intellectual belief where we can just say verbally, oh yeah, I believe in God. This is a gospel uh, that through faith alone justifies us with God the Father. 
but through our works will justify us horizontally with those around us in our community. You remember last week when we said a true genuine faith goes from the head to the heart to humble obedience. I'm going to say it again. From the head to the heart to humble obedience. A true genuine faith. Today we're going to dive in and we're going to explore the patriarch and the prostitute from James chapter 2. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, be with us. I pray that your word would shine through this morning, that we would lift up your name, that we would leave today, go our separate ways with a better comprehension and love for the, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to see, uh, first of all, very quickly this morning, and simply put, the faith of the patriarch. The faith of the patriarch. Look at verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up uh, his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. In order to understand this fully, we must go back and actually understand the significance of the scripture that was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Where does that come from? We find that back in the book of Genesis in chapter 15. Abraham had just defeated four kings in battle, had a, had a great victory in battle, and he was experiencing what many of us experience. And I believe Elijah may be the best, uh, uh, the, the best picture of this in the Bible, but the great victory and then the, the defeated attitude that follows. The great victory that takes place and then the solemn depression sometimes uh, that would seep in. And so <clears throat> Abraham was experiencing that after a major victory. He was experiencing discouragement discouragement. He lamented to God that he would have no offspring, having yet to father a son. In fact, he, he said uh, to God that, hey, this, it's just time for, for someone else to take over this. It's just time for, for me to have a child with someone else. And, and this obviously meant something big to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, where we get this text from, verse 4 says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him came to Abraham. The Lord said, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And this is verse six where we get this. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And with Abraham at a low point, with Abraham kind of in a, in a, in a uh, mental and spiritual funk, the word of the Lord came to him with a promise. With a promise. And it says, just as the stars are in the sky, so will, will your offspring be. And it said that Abraham believed the Lord, and pay attention to that word believe, church family. That word believe, that's the first time that word is used in scripture. 
Anytime a word is used the first time in Scripture, we should take special note of this. This is a crucial time. That word believe, that salvation word. That word that Jesus would use in the New Testament saying, repent and believe the gospel. The same word that Paul would use, believe on the name of the Son of God and thou shalt be saved. That word believe. Every, Abraham rested everything on God's word and declared his faith. And as a result, he was declared righteous. He believed and he was declared righteous. Watch this. He was declared righteous before the act of offering his son Isaac on the altar. He was declared righteous because of his belief before he ever offered his son Isaac on the altar. Abraham obtained positional righteousness apart from works. Oh, this is important. You say it's a little teachy, Josh. I understand that, but we need to understand our Bibles. Okay, Abraham believed God in Genesis chapter 15, and it was counted to him for righteousness. He obtained positional righteousness. Uh, remember the first eight weeks of 2020? You know, back when life was a little bit more normal? We had a series on identity. Positional righteousness. Our identity is in Christ. And what we will see between Genesis 15, where he is declared righteous positionally, and Genesis 22, is Abraham is going to display his righteousness in a practical way. So he's going to go from positional righteousness in Genesis 15. He believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. In his position, he was righteous. And then by the time we get to Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is going to display practical righteousness. As he takes his only son, his promised son, Isaac, up on that mountain. To think about the faith that it required for Abraham to take that son. You remember the, the one that he did not think that he would ever be able to have, as we mentioned earlier. The one where he had already made his, he had already made his, his way of Hagar. He had already made his way of Ishmael. He had already made his way of trying to fix what God had, had called in his life. But God gave him Isaac. And then God says, take Isaac up on that mountain. I want you to sacrifice him. The faith. The faith that Abraham must have had. Genesis 22, when he takes Isaac up on that, up on that mountain, this reveals his his genuineness, his faith's authenticity because he was willing to act upon his faith. Because of this, James declares that Abraham was justified by works when he offered up Isaac on the altar. But, but just keep in mind, he obtained his positional righteousness in God and Jesus in Genesis 15, and he merely put it on public display in Genesis 22. And can I say this this morning, just to kind of bring this all together, a true Genesis 15 experience, believing in God and being counted to you for righteousness will result in some sort of Genesis 22, living it out in our works and the way that we live. Listen, Abraham declared his faith verbally in Genesis 15. But then James, uh, uh, Abraham declared his faith practically 
in Genesis 22. Listen, this morning, there's been far too many people and far too many church members and far too many uh, church goers, far too many churched people that have prayed a prayer one day, but they've never experienced a true transformation this morning as Abraham did. You say, was Abraham's faith real? Well, certainly Abraham's faith was real. How do we know? Genesis 22. Genesis 22. When he took his son and by faith walked up that mountain and believed God. Listen, he was positionally declared righteous in Genesis 15. But he displayed his faith in a tangible way in Genesis 22. Extremely important. So James follows up his, his illustration uh, in James chapter 2, back in verse 24, James says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. To James, simply put, faith and works were like an inseparable set of twins that would come along in an authentic Christian faith. Faith and works were like brothers. Faith and works were like identical twins. But he doesn't stop there, James. Back in James chapter 2, he continues and he gives us another illustration this morning. I want us to see, secondly, the faith of the prostitute. The faith of the prostitute. Look at verse 25 in James chapter 2. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works uh, when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Sure, James, Abraham, the patriarch of the faith. Abraham, when we think about the Bible and we say, name five extremely important people in the history of the world as far as religion is concerned, the name Abraham should be on that list. Sure, sure, James, of course Abraham is justified. Of course. I mean, God came down and spoke to him. Of course, Abraham was justified. But perhaps this morning, James wanted us to understand that it wasn't just the patriarch who could be justified. But he gives us this other example of the prostitute, Rahab. There's no way to paint a pretty picture this morning about Rahab. She was, in fact, a harlot, a prostitute. Uh, no doubt many people had made their way into her house for a night or two and then went on their way. Uh, no doubt Rahab had experienced some of the most immoral uh, things within her lifetime. But somewhere along the way, she had heard bits and pieces about Jehovah God, the one true God. And being obviously aware of her sin, she was ready. She was ready for a faith experience. This takes us back to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua in chapter 2. This is the story of Rahab. I'm going to read just four verses from Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Before the men lay down, she came up to them in the roof, on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, and whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens, above and on the earth beneath. Just actually an incredible text if you think about it in, in the context of James chapter 2. Rahab in a way displayed her practical uh, righteousness at the same time as she declared her positional righteousness. What an amazing moment as Rahab goes to those men and says, Listen, we've heard about your God. We've heard about all the things that have happened with your God. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. Our hearts melted. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. As she was practically displaying her righteousness by, by taking God's men in and hiding them so they would not be killed, she displayed verbally her positional righteousness and her heart melted and she declared that God was the God in heavens above and on the earth below. What an incredible, incredible moment for Rahab, the prostitute. You see, her faith produced action. Her genuine, authentic faith produced action. She put her life in danger and risked everything that she had for these men she had never met before. But she knew they were God's men. And she knew that there was a plan. And she knew that Jehovah God was the one true God. I believe this text is an extremely powerful text. I believe, obviously, that it reinforces last week's sermon. By the way, if you're watching today and you did not have a chance to watch last week's sermon, I do want to invite you uh, to, to find last week's sermon, whether it's on YouTube, scrolling down through Facebook, or listening to it uh, through our podcast. But I do want to invite you to that because I believe both of these sermons uh, go together very, uh, very well. But I want there to be three truths that we learn today as we close Three simple truths from this text. Number one, that salvation is by faith alone. You say, Josh, but James says it's by works. Justification is by works. Yeah, but James also quotes Genesis chapter 15. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. You see, we must not confuse James and what he's saying. James is fighting against an easy believism. James is fighting against a pray a quick prayer, get up, and nothing else has ever changed. Uh, James is fighting against a mere words, mere intellect. He's fighting against that. He's fighting hard against that. Salvation is by faith alone. In case Genesis 15, 6 doesn't help prove that where we just read in Joshua chapter 2 Rahab she declared her faith in God alone and both of these people wind up in Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11 is everyone knows the chapter is called the hall of faith the hall of faith not the hall of works 
but the hall of faith. Salvation is by faith alone. Secondly, the second truth that I want us to learn from today's text is simply this. Salvation is by a faith that is not alone. Understand? Let it sink in. Salvation is by a faith that is not alone. The entire book of James, while he talks about being a mature Christian, he also fights over and over and over again that a true, genuine faith does not come by itself. It comes with works. It comes with action. It comes with transformation in our hearts so that we humbly obey. A true, genuine, authentic faith will produce good works on display for all to see. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith, and it lists many people in that chapter. I want to give you a couple just so that we understand this. The reality that sets in that faith produces works. By faith, Noah constructed an ark. By faith, he acted. Uh, by faith, Joseph made mention of the butler. By faith, he acted. By faith, Moses chose to suffer. By faith, he acted. You see, faith that is true and genuine brings action. I want to encourage you this morning before our final point. A faith that brings action doesn't bring the exact same action in your life that it may bring in my life, even though I believe the fruit of the Spirit gives us some common ground in which believers ought to always be improving. But we must be patient with one another as faith may produce a genuine work in someone's life that might look differently than the genuine work that faith is producing in your life. We must be very careful this morning that a book like the book of James does not push us into becoming a judgmental Christian. That the book of James doesn't push us into turning into a legalist. To where we judge other people based upon our personal opinions and our personal beliefs and what God is personally doing in our hearts. We must understand this morning that a true, genuine salvation faith will bring with it works. But we must be very quick to not judge others based upon our standards. It's an extremely difficult place to be. It's a very unbiblical place to be. I want us to see lastly this morning, salvation is for anyone. It's for anyone. The religious, the patriarch, our vernacular, You've been in church your whole life. You've served in leadership roles in the church. You've got a name. Patriarch, salvation's for anyone. Prostitute, Rahab was not a Jew, she was a Gentile. She was an outcast, obviously. And maybe you're listening or watching today and you say, you don't even know what's going on in my life. You don't know my past. You don't understand the stains that are in my life, the, the holes that have been poked into my life 
over the years. You don't know and understand all that I've done. And can I say this morning, I don't. I don't understand and I don't know and I don't claim to understand and I will never claim to know. But what I will claim today is that Jesus Christ loves you, that he died for you, that God created you as an image bearer of him and that Jesus wants to save you. He can save anyone. The super religious patriarch, the Gentile prostitute. We find in, Gen in James chapter two that Jesus can save anyone. We find that with authentic faith and repentance and turning to Jesus Christ in faith, that anyone can be saved and that anyone includes you this morning. You say, Josh, I've been very religious, but I know deep down in my heart that I've never had a gospel transformation in my life. Listen, Jesus can save you this morning. You say, Josh, I'm an outcast. I'm a church outcast. I had bad experiences in church. I don't, I don't trust anything about the church, the establishment of the church. Jesus can save you. But you don't know my sin, but you don't know my Savior. But you don't understand all the struggles, but you don't know how much Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you more than you would ever be able to comprehend. As we sang about earlier, it's overwhelming, the love of Christ. I want to ask you today, no matter if you find yourself in the shoes of Abraham or Rahab, this morning, Jesus loves you. He came and he lived a perfect life and he died on a cross to pay your penalty. You say, what, what, what for? Because of our sin. Every one of us has sinned. None of us got out of that. We all are sinners. And Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and became our sin as he died on the cross. He didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate that all the time. But he did that to show and to prove and to, and to enable us to live resurrected lives. Listen, Jesus wants to save your soul. He wants to come into your heart. He wants to come into your life. He wants to give you his Holy Spirit to lead and guide and comfort you throughout life. He wants to give you a home in heaven. You see, what I didn't tell you earlier is that if you reject this Jesus, Scripture tells us that you'll spend an eternity in a place called hell. And I don't wish that on anyone this morning. But Jesus, through his blood and through his death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can have an eternity in heaven forever with him. I want to invite you today, if you've never surrendered, if you've never repented and believed on the name of Jesus Christ, can I invite you into a real, genuine, authentic faith? I don't care if you're a religious patriarch or if you're an outcast prostitute. Jesus loves you. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. 
Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.